0: We're in between the seasons, aren't we? We've just finished the season of eating too much, (laughs) and we're going into the season of giving and receiving, and as we approach this next season, this Christmas season, Oh, we come into this season and we realize that uh, we're reminded that since Jesus has come to the earth, nothing has been the same. Of all the things that the Christmas season speaks to us about, and I'll, I'll go ahead and make it a public statement, I'm not one that believes that Jesus was born on December 25th. I believe Jesus came to the earth at Tabernacles. For the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. But it is interesting to note that December 25th is nine months previous to that date of tabernacle. And this may be the very time in which the Holy Spirit found a virgin and implanted oh, the greatest gift the world would ever know. And so as we come into this season, we, we, we do celebrate the fact that he came. And nothing has been the same. Calendars had to change because of this gift. Nothing's been the same because we realize that not only did we receive a king, but we received his kingdom. It was John, his cousin, we know him as the baptizer. When he saw Jesus as a young adult man, he said, behold, What we have here, this gift, and we knew that John's role was to be this voice crying in the wilderness saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so Jesus, starting out his earthly ministry, made the same declaration that I want us to look at a little closer today and embrace, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand until that time we know through the prophets that God was working upon the earth in different ways shadows and types but it is Jesus who comes and changes everything and it is from his lips that he declares this great truth that there is a kingdom a kingdom of God a kingdom of heaven and that it is at hand in that we realize that that we're also instructed to pray about that kingdom. And in that model prayer that we all know so well, some of those immortal words is what? Thy kingdom come. So we realize that this kingdom is real and it's able not only to be at hand, but it came and it comes. It's continuous. That when you and I, you see, we have the privilege of knowing that this is the living word of God. And so it speaks to us and tells us it isn't just for those first listeners or that first generation. But it continues to be given to each generation, each individual of that generation. And it's, so we understand we're instructed as much today as 2,000 years ago to pray what Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come. How many situations are you in right now that you need the kingdom of heaven to be involved in what you're doing? And so we're instructed to pray, thy kingdom come to my wife, my husband, my children, my job, my decisions, my schooling, my promotion, thy kingdom come. I want your kingdom to be involved in my decision making and what I'm doing, the people in my life. My kingdom come we know from the word of god itself that this kingdom is not of this world it didn't originate here it came to this world but it didn't start here we understand that this kingdom of course is also a kingdom that's everlasting we all know what it is for things to age how many of you looked in the mirror lately We know things fade, we know things decay, but not this kingdom. It's an everlasting kingdom. The heavens and earth will pass away, but not his word, his kingdom. It's an everlasting kingdom and it's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The times of distress in our life, you stress in our life, the stresses of life, all these things compounding against us and sometimes all at the same time and leaves us in the wake of it, we understand. But there's a kingdom that's unshakable, unflappable. It remains no matter what arsenal comes against it, it remains. This kingdom is everlasting. And ultimately, according to God's word, every other kingdom will be engulfed by it. For the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord. A kingdom so again yes Christmas comes and it's fun and it's exciting and it it reminds us of religious thought as well as secular thought of fun things and joyous things and laughter and don't we all love children at Christmas time and puppy dogs <laughs> and yet this story that never gets old with us because again it speaks to us of a kingdom I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 19. There's a story here that kind of also is on the edge, maybe not necessarily the Christmas story as it is told, but this understanding of this kingdom. Matthew chapter 19, i are gonna pick up at verse 16. I believe somebody, one of the neighbors must have had their ring camera out there on their front porch and captured this scene. Verse 16 says, and behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, what good deed must I, must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. So he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, all part of the Ten Commandments that was dealing with the horizontal of life, our neighbors. Verse 20, so the young man said to him, I'm good, all these I've kept. And yet there was still something compelling. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor And you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. There had to be a pause there. Because then it says, when the young man heard this, he just went away. Sorrowful. For he had great possessions. Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. There had to be another pause there. Well, then, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We know the Christmas story. We know this story. But what is it that we're missing? In this scene, we know that this candidate that should have been stellar among others, just the top of the list, We know just from just the snippet of information here, we know that he was well-educated. We know that he was extremely disciplined. He had followed the commandments. He knew them, and he had lived obediently with them. We know he was cultured. We know that he was successful. And by the reaction of Jesus' own disciples, They had esteemed him in their minds of being a top candidate for anything, because now they're greatly astonished. What we don't have there, and if I can go to the commentary, the Brooks commentary, I would say that they probably were astonished and thinking to themselves, oh man, I messed up. If this cat can't make it, what am I going to do? But that isn't the whole story, is it? Because this guy's asking another question. What day do I need to do? What what thing haven't I done yet? In other words, I've got all this, I'm good. I've got friends, I've got fans, I've got wealth. I've got all these things, and yet there's something inside this man asking. What do I do to get eternal life? In other words, he's saying, I believe that there is something beyond this world. There has to be a kingdom. There has to be something out there. I know what it is to have this, but I, you know, I didn't get this by just falling off a log, as we would say. I'm looking ahead with my enterprises. I wanna make sure I'm okay tomorrow. What is it that I got to do? That question's still with us today. Do we believe that this is it? Do we believe that when our bodies are retired here, that's just it, just worm food? Is there really a soul in us? How many funerals have you been to? I see this corpse, it's lifeless now. What's the difference? Was there something? In that being, in that vessel, in that tent, in that temple, in that body, in that building, all these descriptions. and If there was something, where is it now? Where does it go? Is there one place? Is there two places? Is there multiple places? For the young today, there's a lot of studies in quantum physics, and you'll hear all these different things being asked. Do we believe in a parallel universe? In an alternate universe? You see, sci-fi movies love to entertain that thought of an alternate universe. Quantum physics to to, to travel into the multiverse. All these different descriptions. Is there a universe that parallels this earth and, 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 and what I understand? And does, do they overlap? And if so, can you get caught in between the two at the same time? And are they just a small part of the bigger picture of a multiverse? In physics, they're studying and they're looking into RNA, ribonucleic acid. And many saying, hey, "Yeah, I understand this, and I have my theories of what that means." Because really, we understand that that is the vehicles that DNA uses through proteins to transfer information somewhere else. Am I doing okay? Yep. Yep. My question is, but how to get in the DNA to start off with? What about black holes, the budding of them? And if, 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 if our galaxy is just one universe, there's multiple universes. You see, it was in this guy. What do I do to inherit eternal life? What do I do? How do I get there? Well, maybe he didn't understand expressions like quantum physics, and multiverse, and parallel universe, and alternate universe but there was something in him driving, what, what is it? And here you and I are and somebody might say you as Christians, you're just, you're just uneducated. You're just a bunch of losers. Just go ahead and put the L right up there It's your forehead. You guys are, you're just hopeless, you're just pitiful. Ted Turner said many years ago that Christians are the biggest losers on the planet. You got this Jesus that's just your crutch to get through But you see, Mr. Turner, again, once Jesus came to the earth, the earth earth has never been the same. Changed everything, still changing lives. What do we do with all this conversation? What do we do? In this hypothesis and science fiction theories, there is this thing in all of us. What what's out there? What could be here? And what did Jesus mean by the kingdom of heaven is at hand? What an incredible statement. And a statement of truth. And do we understand it? Do we exercise it? You know what I've learned about human beings? We kind of we kind of get into routines. Can I hear an amen? amen. I mean, you know where you're gonna set your coffee mug in the morning, don't you? And you know what parking place you're gonna park in. And when somebody else parks in your parking place, you're not a happy camper. <laughs> I mean, we all have our little systems in our married lives and children, even our smallest of children, they, we start picking up on the routines. How many of you have pets? Man, they get routines too, don't they? My wife has a dog, understand it's her dog, not mine. I just happen to get to dwell in the same house that that dog owns. And I have certain functions for that dog. I have a certain time of the day that I am to take him out so he can do his business, so he can come back in and be with his mama. (laughs) I've been wanting to get that off my chest for some time, thank you. And in our routines, we we get into ruts. We get into ruts with God. We get in ruts with everything, if we're not careful. And in this, we got all this language, but what does it mean and am I exercising it? Do I really know what's at my disposal? Do I really understand how big God really is? And how incredible he really is? and how powerful he really is, and how all-knowing he really, I mean, you really think you're gonna pull one off on God? I I, I don't know that I actually hear him do it, but in my brain, after I have one of them moments, I can just almost hear God clearing his throat. throat) Like, (laughs) okay, yeah, you knew, didn't you? For this man, Jesus, in his wisdom, discerned what he was really asking. And it was a matter of the heart. I don't think that if somebody else had come up, this is personal opinion on it, we'll never know, but I think if, if another person come up, Jesus would have probably asked a different question. But for this guy, all right, take everything that you have and sell it, give away the proceeds and the other things, and follow me. All the Bible tells us is the man walked away and gave us his countenance. He was sorrowful and gave us one more bit of information what was in his thinking. But I have possessions and a lot of them. You know I don't think this guy's too much different than we are. We have these things in our life we call fatal attractions. We have other things I would call fatal attachments. And I'll go to a third level, fatal accumulations. (laughs) And the more of those things we have, the more encumbered we become. When we're young and starting out in marriage, when we're young starting out in life, we don't have a whole lot, but man, we're gonna take the world on. And as we get older, and we've got all these collections of things, it's harder to move. And not only harder to move physically, but mentally. Well, I would go, but I've got to take care of this, 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 and this. That that dog's included, by the way. (laughs) We gotta take care of the dog. (laughs) having a little fun with you, but again, you know what where where we're talking about. Fatal attractions. Oh, if I could just have her. Whoa, mm, he looking fine today. If I could have that car, now I'd be a somebody. Look at that house, mm. the attractions. And then once we have them, the attachments, you want to go and uh, I'm feeling kind of sluggish today. Well, if you could see all the stuff you're dragging along with you. You see what happens with all these things if we're not careful, this is why Jesus makes the description. He says it'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle What an incredible statement. And a lot of theologians believe it's really talking about the largest animal that they would know and it packed down for commerce and coming into the city to sell their wares. But you had the great grand entrance into the city, but you had another gate in the back lot to bring in the commerce. It was hard enough for a human being to walk through with all their luggage and all their bags and dragging it in and stooping, but a camel? having to stoop down maybe getting on its knees and crawling through there with all this just worming it's and finally just giving up maybe getting through now maybe you don't like that description maybe you're just wouldn't it be cool to see a two humped camel going through an eye of a sewing needle wow either way it's making description of not being rich there's plenty of wealthy people in scripture that god share with us their devotion to him now it was the love of money the things the attachments because along with all these things if we're not careful we find ourselves with a false feeling of independence and I, I don't i don't have anything to worry about i got plenty i got things stashed how many of you got mason jars buried in the backyard I'm coming to your house. (laughs) This false independence that we, that we can, that we can get a hold of or, or maybe we find ourselves just shackled because we got so much stuff and maybe even the, the, the most powerful of them for not careful with things we can become so selfish because it's. I love the description I heard a long time ago of covetousness because that's not a word we use a lot. In the description I heard, I'll never forget, <clears throat> it's wanting more of what we already have too much of. Because you know, you got to have a spare and then you got to have a spare to the spare. And if you have one of those, days, you might need a spare to the spare to have a spare to the spare. And then if everybody else loses everything, left, they're going to be coming, so maybe I need a few more spares. Attachments, attachments, attachments. What must I do? What deed must I do to inherit eternal life? There's something more there. What do I have to do? Is it in the multiverse? Is it it in this parallel universe? Are Christians chasing the same thing and we just call it the kingdom of heaven? No, it's not the same because the other are hypotheses. And science fiction, Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life says it is here and it's now and it's at hand. It's real. Oh, we may say there's an overlapping. Yes, we are in this world, but how many knows we're in this world, but we don't have to be of this world? How many know his kingdom is in this world, but it's not of this world. His kingdom was from another world. That other world created this world And this is why we have the privilege of praying, Thy kingdom come on earth as it already is in that world. Wow. He says, There's a lot to the story. But there's one more thing that needs to speak to every one of us that we need to embrace with everything in us. And Jesus, and again, looks to those disciples after this encounter with this rich young ruler who walked away and his disciples are astonished, full of question, full of wonder. And he looks to them. He says, you know what that represents with man? This eternal life issue is impossible. You can have wealth, you can have wisdom, you can have education, you can have popularity, you can have youth, you can have all these things, but it will not get you to eternal life. With man, it's impossible. You can have somebody freeze your body parts for a long time, but all you're gonna wind up with is a chunk of ice. And here's the statement, but with God, all things are possible. Opens up a whole new realm, not of multiverse, not of quantum physics, no, not of parallels, but with God, all things are possible. It's the realm of possibility the realm that his kingdom offers. With man as amazing as man is and his accomplishments and what he's done with what he's been given is spectacular, but it's not enough. But with God, that which was called impossible in the last conversation now can be possible. That which we have declared for generations is impossible it's now possible it's not fiction it's not fairy tale it's not science fiction it's none of these things it is the kingdom that jesus brought in its at hand the kingdom of god that we pray and believe for healing and we've sung about it today to say the name of jesus the blood that he shed, that precious, perfect blood, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, and that prayer of belief in him can cause this disease to shrivel up and lose its assignment with God. What well, sounds like science fiction. But you see, that's why Jesus had to come. And he took upon himself the form of flesh and dwelt among us and was tempted in every point as we are, yet he did it without succumbing to sin's temptation. The grave could not hold him. The tomb could not hold him. The assignment of the Roman guard could not hold him. The priesthood could not hold him. There was an assignment greater than those assignments. And from that grave, he arose on the third day, just like was prophesied, and ascended into the heavenlies, and is still there, seated at the right-hand side of the Father, making intercession for those upon the earth that says, thy kingdom still can come. I will pray it in the name of Jesus and declare it to be truth. kingdom come. You see, it's not science fiction. Our attorney of the heavenlies is very much alive, seated in the throne room. Angela, when you call out the name of Jesus, it is heard in the heavens. And when the accuser comes against you and says it can't be done, it's a false report, it's a lie, you have one in the heavens saying, say, wait a minute, I know her. She is redeemed by the blood of the lamb. She's a child of God. She's my daughter. Her name is written down in the lamb's book of life. I know that voice. I know my sheep and I'm gonna move heaven and earth. because we're not doing it alone and we're not doing it with earthly people that are brighter than us and more educated than us. All those things would be wonderful, but what we do have with God, all things are possible. I once was lost, so lost, but now I'm found. I no longer have to live in the miry muck of sinful clay. He reached out his hand and rescued me from that pit and put my feet upon the rock. And says, now I have a new life. New life. Generational curses can be broken by the simple whisper of his name the demons of hell shake and tremble at the mention of his name with God all things are possible stand with me today